Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi there. Welcome to this week's episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley. And I want to start with a heartfelt thank you to all of you who continue to listen each week, who continue to tune in. I'm so grateful. As you know, my purpose is to, especially this year, to help as many teams, as many leaders as possible to move from survival mode to thriving mode. And you all can help me do that. You all can help me do that by sharing and uh, some of the lessons and and learning you're gaining from me and my amazing, you know, guests and thought leaders that that share their wisdom and, and advice by sharing that with those you lead by trying the practices and tools that that we share with you. And you can do that by also subscribing and rating and following um, this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The more people who subscribe, the more people will come across it and will be helped by it. So if you have found this to be helpful to you, please pay it forward a little bit. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'd also like to just, since it's a new year, I think we're into the second week now, I've already lost track. Um, I'd like to just remind you all, or just give a bit of a shout out to two, um, two books, um, and they're books that I've, I've co-authored, but I thought they'd be really helpful to you as you kick off your, your year. Um, one is Winter Instinct, and I did an episode all about Winter Instinct uh, a few months ago. And so, this book is for you if you are tired of running to keep up, right? If if you've you you're just tired, you don't feel like you ever get to the end, right? And this book is for you because the load is unlikely to get less, right? But knowing how to function amidst this disruption and ever-changing and demanding world of work we are now in, learning how to do that so you can, you know, walk fast on thin ice and experience less struggle, um, that's what this book is about, giving you those resources and tools and some some um, ways to think about how you're approaching your work right now so that you can thrive more. And then the other book is for those of you on the front lines of healthcare, those of you who are healthcare leaders, first of all, I just, my heart and my love goes to you and your families um, for putting everything on the line to care for the rest of us in the world. Um, my book, Improving Healthcare Team Performance, The Seven Requirements for Excellence in Patient Care. This is all about leading high-performance healthcare teams where the staff experience um, is just as important as the patient experience. And so both are essential. And this book is all about how to lead a resilient, healthy, high-performing healthcare team, no matter what is thrown at all of you. All right. So with that, um, let's talk about today's episode. So like I said, we're what, in the second week of, of January? And I don't know about you, 
Um, you may have all gotten better rest than I did or came through 2020 better than I did, but I didn't start 2021 completely refreshed and ready for more change and ready to hit the ground running. I, I started feeling exhausted and, oh boy, right? We're, we're not through this yet. There's still a lot to get done at work. Uh, there's still a lot coming at us. And so, I don't think I'm the only one. And I can see my guest. You all can't see Michelle. She's nodding, right? People are exhausted and are overwhelmed and have reached their limits, especially when it comes to change. And yet, work isn't stopping. It can't stop, right? The the world still spins around. Organizations still need to move forward. And leaders, you still have your mandates, right? You still have a objectives that your leaders are bringing down to you to strive and reach for. So what are you to do? What are you and your team to do then, right? How can you still care for your people, honor where they are at, right? Emotionally, physically, mentally, while still leading and striving for those objectives. And so that's where my guest, Michelle Clark, comes in. And I'm so grateful for Michelle to be joining us today. Michelle is a transformative facilitator and co-creator at LM Squared Collective. Michelle understands the value of driving the organization in the same direction, and yet the challenge of crucial conversations to create shared ownership, especially during times of disruption and change. Michelle delivers a practical approach to help leaders prepare for the future transform their organization, build leadership capacity, and align their team to achieve growth. At LM Squared Collective, they pivot quickly, move to what what works now, and leave the campsite, I love this, better than they found it. So Michelle brings in-depth experience in a number of areas, right? Of course, leadership development, organizational effectiveness, and importantly, transformation practices in across multiple industries and not profit not for profit sectors. And this is really interesting, Michelle, I didn't know this about you. Michelle has a cultural anthropology degree, which I find really fascinating. And she's currently completing her master's of leadership, which is amazing. Um, And so that those degrees provide a deeper perspective on the dynamics of how people work together and how we can collectively, okay, this is about collective people, all we're all in this together, how we can collectively create opportunities to adapt as the world of work changes. I don't think I could have had a better guest for this time right now, Michelle. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. The second week of January, it's going to go quickly. Hopefully. I know, right? Yes. Partly I hope it goes quickly. And then another part of me is like, wait a minute, there's too, too much to do, mm-hmm. you know? And so Michelle, let's, we're going to talk about, you know, how to really thread the needle of change when people are already experiencing so much disruption, mm-hmm. really? Like, how do we do change when change is everywhere and constant and we just don't want to deal with it anymore? Mm -hmm. And so maybe the place to start is, is that an accurate assumption that I have, Michelle, that people are over change (laughs) or change out, we're changed out? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I The more and more I talk with clients and the people around me, the people in my master's program, uh, it is just overwhelming. People are feeling burnt out. Um, they're having decision fatigue. So um, the word burnout, in fact, has changed its meaning from just being at work to now being at home, being with your family, managing your kids going to school, managing, you know, whether you visit your elderly relatives, all of that stuff is hitting us all at once. And now we have decision fatigue. And that is tough. It's interesting because I haven't thought about decision fatigue in the context of change. And so is it about being faced with just so many decisions? How am I going to structure my day? My kids need to be online school. I need to find time to go to my parents. What do I prioritize? What do I need to be focusing on? Is it that type of, uh, is that what decision fatigue is about? Yeah, it's that. And also not knowing whether you can trust the information coming at you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you have many more decisions to make on a much more um, uneven playing field. Right. So you just, you don't know, can I, can I trust that news report? Do I know that the vaccine's going to work? Like, what do I do? Can I go to the grocery store? Can I not? Is my mask going to work? A whole bunch of new things. Absolutely. I actually experienced that this week. My, my brother ha- and his sister and uh, my sister-in-law um, had their first baby and you know yeah this little hunter little baby he's so gorgeous um but then it was panic can we see them what if I you know we've been isolated but what if will the masks work what if my kids give them something what if like god forbid is it worth the risk you know Mm -hmm. all of these things the amount of time we spent stressing over whether we could go see you know our new our new baby in the family and that in and of itself, until you said that, I didn't realize the love, how much energy I gave to that and how overwhelming and guilt. Well, what if we don't see that? Right. And then, right, right, all of the other emotions that come along with it. That's right. So decision fatigue, um, change fatigue. Talk mm-hmm. to us about change fatigue. So I, so I would say that the two are intimately connected because oftentimes when uh, we're working with leaders, they, you know, obviously they want to change for, uh, for a good reason. You know, usually either the business is struggling and they need to, you know, unlock some capacity and get better or, you know, or they want to create a whole new culture. So they want to be able to build that. All of those are all these micro decisions that, that, you know, you work with the leaders, you work with the sponsors, you bring them all together And that change can become overwhelming. If you're bringing all of your personal decision fatigue into that, you're not necessarily going to show up at your best. (laughs) So, you know, so there has to be a bit of a a stepping through things, I think, and a little bit more um, slower. So to your point, maybe we need to take the year a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and we and we need to slow down and think about what's happening in everybody's lives um, before we start unlocking these huge change projects. And yet, people need to change now, or else their businesses are going to fail. So it's you know it's kind of this balancing act. Absolutely. So let's come back to that balancing act. I'd like to do a little bit. I'd love to get your perspective looking back at 2020. with your experience in leading change and supporting organizations and doing that, um, what do you think are the main lessons leaders need to take away from 2020 and apply to leading change going forward? 
Um, I think if you go back to March, you know, we thought the lockdown was going to happen over March break. Remember that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember that. Oh, it's yeah. okay. It's just another week. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll just find some more activities for the kids to do. It'll be fine. Right. Um, and, uh, but some organizations pivoted super quickly. And so if you take a look at those ones versus the ones that, you know, had to put in full training sessions on for people how to learn Teams or Zoom or whatever, and others were just like, nope, this is what we're doing. Here's your equipment. Everyone go home and we'll, we'll deal with it day by day. And it's that ability to make the quick decision to pivot to deal with the new circumstance that was so critical in 2020. That, that to me was the number one lesson. And then the second one was really about people. Are you listening to them? So you're not going to meet them in a meeting room anymore. You're not going to, you know, sit with them on the go train. You're not going to, you know, go for a coffee walk with them. How are you going to connect with people? And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've heard from leaders who have really done that well is that they really had to figure it out. It was like, because there was no playbook for it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so it's interesting that that pivoting and making quick decisions for those organizations that have been able to do that, that did that well, right, in in 2020, I'm assuming that they would have had cultures and, and, and practices that already supported the ability to do that. They already had a more nimble type of culture where they were used to change maybe or making quick decisions. So what do you know about cultures or organizations who are able to pivot fast? What do they do differently that enables them to do that? Mm. Um, And, you know, and I would think sometimes we would go to this concept that it's either a big organization or smaller ones can pivot faster. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I've really found is that it's the organizations who have leaders who are just willing to do it. (laughs) Right. You know, and I think in some ways, um, a lot of leadership material kind of overcomplicates uh, over things. Yeah. And it was really about the leaders who said, no, this is this is what we have to do. We're going to work from home. Um, you know, we're going to connect every morning at eight o'clock and, you know, and off we go. Um, but the biggest, I would say, factor uh, was the ability for the leader to listen to where other people are at. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was the level of trust that existed within the, yes. the organization. And I, I don't know how to, tr- to stress that more, but the, the ability to validate that when that kid walks into the you know, back of your Zoom meeting, that that's okay. And, and for the leader to set the stage where that is permissible. So they have to give permission, mm-hmm. right? And, and that whole setting of trust, um, if it was there, it was so much easier to pivot than for those that didn't have it. Absolutely. And this is a common theme we've been hearing over and over and over again that I really just want to underscore, right? It is often a crisis that makes us realize what we need to start doing differently, right? Mm -hmm. Awesome. But (laughs) a crisis, if you're not an effective team already, if you are not a team that is based in trust and respect Mm -hmm. and support for one another. Mm -hmm. Fixing that and becoming that during a time of crisis when we are not at our best, when we are in survival mode, is not the time to do it. Mm 
No. no. Right? No. And so what 2020 for me, and, and I, I'm hearing from you, made really clear was these, these traits of leaders, right, to be able to listen, the recognition, the validation of others, the safe space, giving permission to be who you are in the context in which you are living right now, right? right. And yeah. all that comes with that. Our, our table stakes now. That's right. They're, they're not nice to have. And mm-hmm. if you are a leader who thinks, oh, you, you know, team development or people development is the soft stuff and right. can happen in a one day offsite. I'm sorry, but you're delusional. That's right. right. This has to be everyday priority. And you don't need a workshop every week to do it, no. but there needs to be some coming together of the team and certainly recognition from the leader's perspective of where do I need to shift. That's right. And, you know, and just on that, it can be as simple as a daily check-in. How are you doing, Nicole? Yeah. And honestly, like just be, you know, that humble inquiry, like how are you doing? It can be as simple as that. Exactly. Right. How are you doing? And how are you doing right now? Right. 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 Because people can have a tendency to say, oh, I'm fine or I'm good. Okay, well, right now, how's your day? What's been happening? Right? Probe a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And and so we're gonna we're gonna go to break in a minute. Um, but I want to just check with you around some some key signs to look for when it comes to change fatigue. Mm. How do you know? Mm. And we'll dive into them after break. Okay, that sounds great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one or two, and then we'll go to break, but one or two top level signs. I mean, the first one is somebody not being able to pay attention. They're yeah. just like distracted. I mean, that the number one thing, and even if it's not, you know, self-imposed, literally kids running around or, you know, deliveries coming to the door, but you can't pay attention. Leaders got to look out for that. It's a, you know, it can be right there and you just have to ask, are you able to pay attention right now? Absolutely. It's noticing it, right? It's being aware of, of your, your people and noticing. So we'll come back and, and look at some of the other, you know, symptoms or, or tells, so to speak, that will tell you as a leader that, that your team member is experiencing some real change fatigue and, and how to address it. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. 
Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So I want to just uh, point you in the direction, if you want to learn more about Michelle and her company, I strongly suggest uh, that you do. Take a look at um, LM2, the number two. Ellen is in Larry, M as in Mary, <laughs> to collective.com. And there you can learn all about Michelle and her partners and, and the great work that they're doing. So, Michelle, we started out with one of the signs being just, you know, you're noticing that your team member is distracted, right? Mm-hmm. What else tells you that change fatigue is settling in or ha- is, is there? For me, I've seen it show up um, around a sense of uh, accomplishment or not a sense of accomplishment. So you're starting to feel this exhaustion uh, from being distracted, from trying to do too many things, um, as we just talked about on our break, but (laughs) trying to do too many things. Um, But then you start to feel like you actually start to feel this sense of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And that can come through in the conversation. So if you're on, you know, a meeting with your team, and you start to hear someone say, um, I don't know if I can do that. And not from a sense of I don't have enough time, but like, a, you know, doubting their capability or their capacity to be able to do it. Um, those are things to start to listen for, uh, because you'll start to think that, you know, that elastic is stretched way too thin and people just can't take on anymore or they're actually internalizing it and not believing they can. Right, right. That Mm self-doubt, noticing that self-doubt coming through. Yeah. Um, That's so important. Anything else? Anything else to notice, especially when you're thinking about maybe introducing even more change to your team? Mm -hmm. Um, I would really be going back and looking at the how is your team functioning? So is yeah. there is there a level of trust that goes back to, you know, Patrick Lencioni's dysfunctions, five dysfunctions of a team, but start looking for those things. Um, you know, are people are people trusting each other? Um, you know, I think oftentimes leaders think the meeting before the meeting, the meetings after the meetings are maybe bad things, but those are those can be generally good things. Like if I've got a good peer network. And I reach out to them right after we get off of our team call because maybe I'm brainstorming or I've got a thought or something came out of this or I'm struggling with that. Um, and if, if that is happening, that kind of peer-to-peer connection and support is happening, then there's going to be more capacity for change. Mm-hmm. If the peer-to-peer support afterwards is just a, you know, you know what kind of, uh, I was going to say a bad word, but... <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, then that's not a good thing. So kind of connecting into those conversations and seeing what they're doing. Are they brainstorming, coming up with new solutions? Or are they just venting Mm -hmm. and always venting? Because those are two different 
Absolutely. I shared this in a previous podcast. I, I compare it to, um, and I heard this from somebody else, actually I read it in an article a dozen years ago, and I can't remember the author's name. Um, but it, it's comparing, you know, when a team moves to Pity City and just sets up shop mm-hmm. and focuses on all the reasons why this is a terrible idea right? Um, versus a team that drives to Pity City for a pity cup of coffee, right? Because it's important to vent. Mm-hmm. Right. And express concern. Yeah, but way. then you drive back home looking for how to make it work for yourself and your teammates and, you know, the the how whoever it's going to impact positively at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's exactly what you were just saying. Yeah, no, I think it's such a good point because you, um, you know, you really can't sometimes just get rid of the change. So you can't just say, well, this isn't affecting me and I don't feel frustrated. No, you do feel frustrated. Right. (laughs) And so you need that, that peer group to be able to talk about that, but then you have to quickly be able to pivot and move back into, well, what's the possibility here for me? How can I make this work for me? How do I make it work for my team? And if you can help um, see those conversations shifting, then that's important. That that's an important thing. If there's too much venting, then there's probably something else going on. Right. Absolutely. And so can you walk us through a little bit, Michelle, around for leaders who know more change is coming, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a small change or transformative change, transformational change, what should they be thinking about now to sort of ready that pump and, you know, prime the pump and get ready for that change. Because in my experience, and, and I'd love to hear yours, leaders and organizations don't get ready for change. They no. jump into the change and they start the change as opposed to readying for the change. So what, did leader, what should leaders start doing now preparing for change? I, I, yeah, so I agree. I, I think leaders generally give it to their communications team and then, yeah. you know, <laughs> they, right. uh, and then they prepare communication and then it's done. What? I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so the leaders that I found have done really well with the change before they've announced it, there's always going to be things that you can't announce. There's confidentiality. You want to respect where people are at you, all kinds of good reasons. Um, but you can start having conversations about the business and what's happening in the business. Context is so important. And uh, and they generally own those messages. They need to drive them. They're, they're passionate about them. You know, they need to get out and start talking about what's changing in the world. In case you don't know, like the world is changing. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is how our business needs to, to change. And so you can, you can start, to your point, priming the pump around the context, context of the world, context of us, context of urgency, why are we doing it now, um, even before you get into you know, what, how it's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for leaders, I can imagine who are more task oriented, right? Head down, go through the to-do list, focus on the tasks, mm-hmm. as opposed to the heads up, let's look around, have a dialogue about um, the world in which we're working, our organizational context, the system in which we work. Um, those leaders, and both are important, right? The task-oriented leaders and like this task-oriented approach and a process-oriented approach, both are essential. But I'm assuming it's going to be harder for leaders who tend to drive, right? Drive the work. So what 
tips do you have for leaders who who aren't as accustomed to building that kind of dialogue with their team and working with their heads up more often? I My number one thing is to reframe dialogue as a waste of time. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Because I know the answer. What's the point? We have to do this anyway. Go. That's right. <laughs> right? Um, so dialogue is action in my mind. And if I can help the leader understand that dialogue actually is a form of action, um, that's that to me can be extremely helpful. Um, and, and also helps you calibrate what action you're willing and you're going to take. So if I'm having a conversation, so let's say I want to talk to Nicole, she's, you know, heads up one of my big teams. I know she's going to have to experience a lot of change and I want her to be successful. So the other reason for me to get my head up out of doing is that I need my other leaders to do. And how do I make them successful in that? Well, I need to have a conversation with them, mm-hmm. so that they have full context about what's going on. Even if I can't give away all the information right now, I can start talking to Nicole and say, Nicole, this is going to be happening. Um, you know, the world is changing. We need to change as a business. What do you think you need for your team? And, you know, get you starting to think about it so I can unload some of my to-do list onto you. <laughs> I love that. I'd never heard the reframing dialogue, right? That it's not a waste of time. It's, you know, it's actually a form of action. Mm -hmm. Um, And without it, you will waste time. You down the road, it will just look different. And, you know, it'll come back at you in in different, different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So having, having the context, right? Building that learning and understanding and almost meaning for, you know, connecting people to the meaningful piece of, of the need for the needs of the organization and what needs to change and the evolution and ebb and flow and all of that. Mm-hmm. What else? What else do leaders need to do pr- to prime the pump? I, I really think that they need to start um, having their own personal stories ready at hand. Mm. So uh, I, I find, I've been finding actually throughout 2020 that the more leaders can express something personally, um, you know, even if, if they don't have little kids at home or whatever, they, you know, but they, they, if they can empathize in a way that's really personal is going to be so helpful. So starting to think about what is the change? And even if they're the ones driving the change and they want the change, so it's not kind of coming at you from outside, but what is it about it? Like what's personal to them and coming up with those stories. So if you've, you're talking to a, an introvert who doesn't really want to get out and talk to people, yeah, yeah. it's a lot easier if I can think of a story that means something about the change, why I want to do it, what, is, you know, what does it mean? People will gravitate to that. Mm-hmm. That the, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of what's table stakes, right? Mm-hmm. In order to build relationships based on trust, mm-hmm. we need to be vulnerable. We need to be authentic. And that requires showing pieces of ourselves. That's right. Right? And, and connecting pe- connecting to others based on our personal experiences um, mm-hmm. and taking some risks. So I, I haven't heard that 
um, yet before around being ready with personal stories Mm -hmm. um, around how change has affected you or how you've dealt with change or what this means to you and that it's hard, right? I I find that there's a tendency, uh, Michelle, and, and it might just be in my experiences that leaders like to put on, like to, to sort of a Christmas wrap or wrap the change <laughs> with a pretty bow yeah. and rainbows and unicorns will fly out of it when we <laughs> open it and it's all going to be lovely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and, and, and put a wrap around themselves too. look at how, look at how, what a brilliant idea it is that I came up with and, you know, and I'm, right? strong, I'm a strong leader. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But change isn't like that. No. <laughs> no, no part of it. Even even when it's your, you know, you're excited for the change, it mm-hmm. can be terrifying. And there are a lot of bumps in the road, and you know, gremlins appear, and all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. and uh, we have to sort of sort through our own little demons and gremlins on our shoulders and our internal um, thinking about ourselves and others and all of that messiness. It's messy. That's right. It's not a straight line. Yeah. And if if the leader can, to your point, be vulnerable about a time, whether it's this time, whether it's something in 2020 or another change that they personally had to go through, people will feel more at ease than to go through it themselves and mm-hmm. be able to give feedback. So I can give feedback to the leader. You know what? Hey, I'm experiencing this right now. <laughs> and it, it opens the door for those kinds of trusting conversations. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm curious, knowing that the world um, is in a state of overwhelm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Knowing people are typically at their max and are experiencing change fatigue. What is the C-suite's responsibility when it comes to change? I think uh, compassion. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how else to say it. I think there has to be a level of compassion to uh, meet people where they're at and to um, be okay with the bumps along the road. And so they mm-hmm. can do that structurally so they can still push forward because in some cases I'm finding businesses right now need to push forward fast or else they will die. So in yeah. In some cases, they don't have the luxury to bring people along, Um, but having compassion to hear, you know, I hear you're going through that right now. I can't give us more time, but what Mm -hmm. else can I give you? Right? Like it, it, you, you can then set your boundaries and say, no, I I can't slow down or we can't slow down as a business. Um, And so be honest, be honest about what you can do and what you can't do. And people will then, you know, at least feel like they've been treated fairly. Absolutely. Compassion. And and I keep saying this, that people want now more than ever to be seen, Mm. right? To be heard. And I don't mean be seen by, hey, look at me, but to be recognized and acknowledged and understood for the experience they're having in this pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because everybody is having a different experience of the same pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that compassion... Um, is so, so important, which leads me to where do an organization's values come into play Mm. in a time like this? 
And I, and I would say in this case, having worked with so many organizations where they have these kind of, you know, espoused values, they're the, the values on the wall. Right. Um, you have to get the values off the wall and into the hall. I love <laughs> that. Case, yes. Zoom meeting. I, don't, I haven't figured out how to say that. <laughs> I made it into Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. There yeah. has to be like from the hall to the wall and that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> um, but really, they have to demonstrate it. So if one of theirs is integrity, which a lot of organizations have, how can they, how can they actually demonstrate it? Um, because that goes back to the trust building again. Mm-hmm. So if you're making hard decisions, if integrity is one of your values, how can you demonstrate that you've actually um, done that through the decision-making process when you're announcing everything? Absolutely. Are you are you noticing or have you seen, Michelle, that COVID has highlighted maybe or identified new values for organizations that weren't maybe a priority before? Mm-hmm. I have I definitely one around transparency. Mm. Um, you can see the ones that, you know, didn't really talk about it before, but now they're saying like, we really need to be transparent. And so that's kind of gone up to the top of the list for them. Um, and, uh, and then uh, while wellness, it, like, isn't necessarily a value, but the taking care of their people yeah. is definitely um, trumping a lot of things. Absolutely. And I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that. Because my next question was, where does wellness come in mm-hmm. with respect to, to change and, and what's a leader's role in supporting the well-being of their team? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm getting a little note that we only have a minute left. So we're going to dive into that when we get back from break. But before we go to break, we're not going to break yet. I want to spend this last minute before break mentioning Pay It Forward Fridays, which Michelle told me about. (laughs) And so Michelle, tell us quickly what Pay It Forward Fridays is. So it's really just a forum for us to host um, people's concerns right now. How do we have a good dialogue about it? And uh, and we use a good asynchronous and synchronous tool so you can jump on and have a dialogue with us. Last time we talked about parents and their wellness. And uh, next time we're probably going to talk about career transitions because we know people are going through a lot right now. So, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Pay, pay it forward Fridays. And if you want to find more about it, go to the LM Squared website at lms2collective.com. And we will be right back. Stay tuned. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, Leading High-Performance Teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. 
Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. Hey, welcome back, everyone. You know, um, Michelle, the Pay It Forward Fridays is, is really resonating uh, with me in a number of ways. Um, and when we think about our overwhelm, right? Mm-hmm. And part of working through overwhelm is connecting to things that bring you joy and make you feel good, right? And, and paying it forward makes you, makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for everybody just to think about one thing you can do once a week that'll pay it forward and make you feel good. Even if it's, you know, paying for the person's coffee behind you in the drive through. I did that for the first time because a colleague of mine um, was doing that. And she shared that over um, when we talked about some commitments that we were making and she inspired me. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it. It felt so great. I'll never see them. They won't know who I am no. Paid for their meal and just drove away. Right. Um, and it's just little things like that. It doesn't even have to be monetary, but that can really help with the overwhelm. Yeah, and uh, and can have side benefits for you. So um, the other day I shoveled more than my walk uh, just because I had time. And so I gave time to both sets of neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> and I got the added benefit of having more exercise. There you go, right? And yeah, yeah. No, there it you doesn't go. have to be monetary. It can be time. It can be, yeah, a smile. Exactly. Exactly. And so for me, that really links into wellness. Um, and so I know wellness is, is a complex topic and it has many different meanings when we think of it from the perspective of mental health, mm-hmm. physical well-being, emotional well-being. Um, and, and so what is really a leader's role at a high level as opposed to getting into the, de- the weeds of it right now? In, 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 in supporting the wellness of their team? I, you know, I would say, you know, number one thing, if you've got an HR group who are just looking at benefits, get them to think broader. Right. So um, that can be really helpful. Uh, but there's so many good wellness programs out there and they can be overly complicated or they can be simple. So find something simple if you don't have anything mm-hmm. um, to really give people choices. People don't want you as a leader to tell you what you need. It's like you don't want your parents telling you what to eat anymore once you're growing Very up. Very good point. <laughs> Very good point. Um, so give them choices and uh, and pay for a couple of things. They don't have to be expensive. It can be, you know, a $50 gift certificate for, you know, any kind of online uh, fitness equipment, if that's what you want to do. Like mm. just, you know, just give them some choices and let them uh, own their own wellness, but support it 
and support it financially, but support it by, again, telling your story. So yes, how are you, you know, being fit during the pandemic? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. What do you think about when leaders, and this is something that I've been encouraging, but it's more because of my own bias towards the importance of mindfulness mm-hmm. for leaders to model mindfulness practices, whether it's, you know, taking the first minute of a meeting with the team to practice a mindfulness moment, mm-hmm. um, whether it's using the Calm app or what have you, or mm-hmm. incorporating whatever it might be, but taking the lead in practicing wellness or mindfulness with the team. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, I think this goes back to, it's really a point because it connects back to what we talked about, about burnout at the beginning um, and not knowing where your team is at. Um, Mm -hmm. Practicing mindfulness at the beginning of of a meeting, even if it's only for a minute, you calm the whole space down. And, when, and then you can get people into a mindset that is much more open. So we go in stressed, you know, we're going to black and white, this or that. We go to fight or flight, right? Are you kind of like bouncing around back and forth? Yeah. Um, and a mindfulness practice at the beginning, ideally for, you know, two to three minutes. So you can just get everyone in that space really, really will help center people on now. Mm-hmm where you want them to be when they're in a meeting with you. Uh, we do it at school. So at our, in our Masters of Leadership program, the faculty lead us through a five to 10 minute uh, mindfulness practice before we start any session so that we can center, especially with the Zoom uh, meetings, doing everything virtually, it's hard to focus. So absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So Michelle, I'd like to pivot a little bit towards talking about organizational design. I know that's like your your baby, your sweet spot, what you're passionate about. So tell us what organizational design is at the end of the day and how it's really pivotal to an organization's ability to perform optimally, right? And to, and yeah, to be able to pivot and all of those good things. I, so for me, the biggest thing is it's not about reorganizing. So it's not about moving boxes around and, you know, changing the lines and all that kind of stuff. It, it's about really pulling out the best of what you've got and mm-hmm. supplementing with what you need and then making that work towards your purpose. So there are all kinds of ways to do that. Um, and some would say there's only a couple organizational, you know, models to go with. Um, but I actually think now that, you know, COVID's happened, it's like opened the door to right. all kinds of different ways of doing things, which is super cool. Um, but it's really about utilizing the capabilities that you have and that you need to drive your purpose. And sometimes those conversations are big and wide. So now all of a sudden we're talking about bigger purpose. What is our purpose? What could mm-hmm. it be? Um, but if you've already got a really solid strategy, then how do you get everyone working on it and excited about it and organized in a way that works. Interesting. And so what are the systems that come into play in org design? So Mm -hmm. culture, for example, Mm -hmm. roles. So can you tell us about like when you're thinking about org design, what are those components? 
Um, so the first thing is culture, but culture in the sense of the structural systems that make up the culture. So things like power dynamics, how are decisions being made? Um, how does communication flow? So, you know, is it is it kind of held in little bubbles or do does everyone get together? Um, I was at an organization that was very consensus driven. And so when we're doing the org design, you're not necessarily going to make a huge hierarchy because that's just not going right. to work. Right? So understanding how the culture works from a day-to-day practice is so important to then knowing how to organize everyone around it mm-hmm. rather than trying to, you know, shift everything and then all of a sudden magically think it's going to happen. The culture part is a much harder, longer change. Um, than doing the org design. So we try to do the org design to fit into what you've already got working for you. Okay. So interesting, because that was, it was sort of a chicken and the egg question that I had. So let's say you're an organization who has this big strategy it's set Mm -hmm. um, and you recognize the culture that we have won't get us there. Right. And so do you design the system, right, to support the existing culture or the culture that you're striving for? And, you know, I mean, culture uh, is a hard thing to, yeah, you know, I, know. Down, but <laughs> I would say that uh, generally changing the culture does take longer. So, Absolutely. Um, but, but you could, you can put an org design in place that changes some of the power dynamics, which would mm-hmm. change some of the flows of, of the system itself so that, you know, the culture will kind of come along with you, if you will. Um, and so you want to, you want to kind of use the culture to your advantage. You don't want to throw out the baby with bathwater. Um, and, uh, you know, and oftentimes, even if you've got a new strategy, you've got a bunch of new leaders, you've got, you know, a bunch of new people, sometimes that culture is still sticky. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. have to, you have to leverage it, um, in a way that's going to actually make the org design work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we think about everything that's needed, you know, what, what organizations are facing today, what leaders are facing today, mm-hmm. where does that balance of urgency versus sort of priority or importance come in? Like how can leaders start looking at their to-do lists and all the change that's maybe coming down the pipe from a lens that is actually makes it all doable? Uh, I would say that going back to what you said about values here mm-hmm. really help um, play that out well. So even if I'm looking at a grid, you know, your standard urgency versus, you know, you, you kind of go through and you're like, okay, well, what's urgent, but what's most, you know, uh, most effort. And you kind of go through that, all that prioritization in your head how do you actually decide what to do? Do it based on the values that you have. If the values are the ones that are in the hall, yeah. <laughs> so the ones that are actually being, you know, walked around and that's part of your culture, do that first. Um, Cause you're going to get more traction. If, if you've got a bunch of people who are stressed out and you're not seeing them all the time, you have low levels of trust, then go for the ones that um, are going to have the biggest resonance. So the ones that people are going to feel and they're going to feel it in a way that benefits the, where you want to go, but also demonstrates the value that you have. Mm -hmm. And so you, so you kind of want to do both. You want to do what's priority, but you want to do it in a way that, you know, people can actually feel it. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so when you, with the with the organizations that you're working with right now, Michelle, what are you seeing that they have in common as far as need? And what is your hope? Like if you were to leave, you know, our listeners with, with one wish for them, mm-hmm. you know, what would it be? Uh, my, oh, so what I'm seeing first to answer your first question is I, I am seeing um, a lot of hesitancy to move forward. So, you know, what's happening with the economy? What's happening politically? What's, you know, how much budget do I have? I don't know. Um, I had a strategy in, you know, 2019. Uh, I don't want to make a new one. Um, and so my hope is that they can make a decision right. that is uh, that is useful for their organization. I, I think you got to just make one and try it. And you know what? We're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but then how do you learn from that quickly? And so make a decision, fail and learn quickly and then make another one <laughs> quickly. Right, quickly. I, yeah, I, I think that, that that to me would, you know, it, it satisfies that need to take action, but, um, but I think that people need to do that right now and leaders need to do that. So my hope is that they can do it in a mindful way. <laughs> right, and, and that will help the more you do that, that sense of paralysis, right, of... It almost inertia sets in of, I don't even know. I, I don't know where to start. This yeah. is so big. Yeah. Um, so try it, make a decision, give it a go, make another decision, give it a go. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great advice. Thank, Thank you for that. Yeah. we do that, we feel a sense of control. And so mm-hmm. it's, kind of, it's kind of like this, you know, I feel out of control. I, I can't do anything. But as soon as you start making decisions, even if they're the, you know, the wrong ones initially, you'll start to feel a sense of control and you'll start to gain, um, you'll start to gain that control over your life. And then some of that burnout will go away. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that it's, it's like the, from good to great, the flywheel, right? Mm-hmm. Once you get that flywheel going, mm-hmm. right. The momentum of that flywheel, it keeps, mm-hmm. you know, keeps it moving. Right? right. And when you make decisions, you're building that momentum, Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in moving in a direction, moving forward. And then people will come along with you. So going back to the bigger change, you'll get it going. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, we can do this. And everybody gets going, which is Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience and, and your advice with all of us. I, I really appreciate it. And I've really enjoyed talking with you. So thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. It was wonderful. Absolutely. And so for everybody else, thank you for tuning in. And um, for those of you who are interested in really strengthening, who don't want to wait anymore, who want to strengthen the trust and respect, know it must be done and it's a priority, I encourage you um, to check out uh, Waterstone Human Capital's Engage Survey. Okay, that measures culture, engagement, and trust. And um, it's a really great place to start, um, especially if you're thinking of aligning your culture with strategy, if you're considering some org design, if you've got some big transformational change initiatives coming down, or you just want to get your company on the right track, that's the place to start. So visit waterstonehc.com or shoot me a note and I'd be happy to chat with you about it. So until next week, I wish you all the very best. 
and tune in next week. Looking forward to it. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.